This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso. I'm your man Graffiti, and I'm Davey. Skirt, skirt, skirt. All right, go straight to it. Who's sponsoring this episode? Pull out the list. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. We got a lot of dope sponsors real quick. Hell yeah. Uh, this episode of Life Is Dope podcast is brought to you by LadySpeech.com. I'm gonna talk with uh, Miss Lady Speech here in a little bit. Be sure to check out her website. Website up. Uh, we also have Megafauna, one of our sponsors. Be sure to come down here to 3102 Blake Street. Yeah. And get your apparel right, get your game right. They got art and all kind of cool shit in this one. Get fresh on them, you bitch. Yeah, bitch. Uh, be sure to check out Duncan Dash as well. Uh, part of our uh, Life is Dope crew. And get your whole uh, interior design game right. Work. That's DuncanDash.com. Uh, be sure to check out Style Not Standards on Instagram. So if you like a lot of these dope pictures that you see from the show, that's from Style Not Standards. Also check out uh, Photographer's Life. That's life with a Y, like Life Jennings. Or, and uh, dopebrand.co. .co, not com. Damn it. Buy get, some shit. Get fresh on Yeah, get dope. Matter of fact, hold up. Sponsors, real quick. When you buy some shit, a lot of people buy stickers from me. Buying the Life is Dope stickers. I ain't pointing no fingers. Half the niggas in here. <laughs> DJ5280. And they put the sticker on the back of their phone. Just buy the damn phone case. I sell phone cases, man. It's 15 bucks. Just buy dopebrand.co. Get your phone case and stop bootlegging shit. Continue. <laughs> I think you said it. All right. Uh, brought to you by Cup of Water. Cup of Water blowing us down forever. I put some cocoa butter on earlier, so I think we can plug cocoa butter. Nope. They got to cut the check. Dope, dope butter. I didn't say it. which kind of cocoa butter. Dope butter until cocoa butter wants to spend some money with us. And uh, who else we got? Is that like truffle butter? <laughs> Not like trouble, but <laughs> all right, cool. Just want to make sure. Uh, that's all I got. That's all we got. But that's enough, though, right? That's enough, man. Bills paid. So, yo, we got a special guest in the building today. Who's in the building? Um, I can't even introduce her right because she does so much, says so much. Um, I'm just saying, Lady Speech is in the building. Y'all make some noise for Lady Speech. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm feeling good, actually, real good. All right, so for the people out there that don't know Lady Speech, tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm the resident hood witch. You know, I do that magic and shit, get to healing motherfuckers with tarot and all kinds of stuff, do house cleansings, exorcisms, all that good stuff. Um, I am a sex-positive sex educator. That's really freelance because many people don't know how to fucking... I want us to have as many orgasms as we can. So wait, pause. So it is part of my... Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Let me interject. She says she freelance fucks? Like no, freelance person. sex educate. Okay. I freelance fuck too, you know, okay, for my own place. I had to make sure I heard you right. <laughs> I was going to say the sex positive, <laughs> the, but the results are negative. <laughs> the results are negative. You the sex is positive, the results is negative. I mean, if you're not educated. Hey, we're going to talk about some education too. Sex mm-hmm. knowledge freelancer. Like, do you got to like intern to do that type shit? Well, or? you know, back in the day when I was a teenager, I did, um, I worked for Mikasa and I was a 
peer sex educator. Mm. And then when I went in and started hosting Cafe Yuba back in the day, we were, we did um, free HIV testing. So I ended up being certified to do the oral HIV testing and then did uh-huh. a lot of sex education through edutainment. So edutainment. that's kind of like what I do. I do burlesque dancing. Um, I'm a host. I'm an MC. I'm a poet. I do all kinds of stuff. Many so. different hats. Yes, yes. Working on um, owning a sex club. That's in the next five years, hopefully. Like, is that like a... a I'm really working on that. The business plan is being worked on right now. Like, you know, Clarify the sex, what a sex club the is. The sex like, you club is the buying. place where you go and you fuck. You enjoy That's exactly what I carnal pleasures and desires. And oh. it's a white man's game. And I've been to a sex club and they're dope. And they cater around men, though. Does it so like, my uh, sex club would cater around women. And, of course, dudes would just follow us because that's what y'all do. Just like eyes wide shut. It's deeper than that, more than that, better than that. What? So paint this picture for the listeners. So like, all right, I walk in the club, right? Yes. And the bouncer's like, hey, twenty bucks, bro. Well, it's yeah, more than yeah. that because, like, you know, it, it you're, you're getting access to a lot of things. You know, you'd have so to. You pay to get in, and you, you pay to get in. Guaranteed. You, I mean, well, not guaranteed. This club is hard to do that. <laughs> I guarantee it's up to you and the people around and consent and all that good stuff. Can I wear my hat inside? You could. You could wear your gym shoes, your socks, whatever gets you off. Okay, go ahead, Rafiji. You're talking about you. So you walk in the sex club. Yeah, I'm trying to vision this. Yeah. So like, all right, I'm thinking about when you go to the club, you know, you're waiting that long-ass line or whatever, unless you got VIP. You come <laughs> to the, the, the VIP sex line or whatever. I'm like, man, I'm on the list. They're like, word. I come in, I go to the booth in the back, I get my bottle, and it's just naked hoes everywhere, and it's just cracking? Or like, how does this process work? No, so you would go in, and of course, it'd be the check-in area, which is real, you know, nice and nondescript. Mm. Uh, you would assign a little contract, because of course, there are rules and regulations that you have to understand consent being first and foremost in that and then to make sure you understand the setup of our club mm. once you go into that you, you check in your liquor we don't provide the liquor we provide the mixers bring your own you, know, you bring your own bottles you check your own bottles in okay. um, I'm doing it in Colorado so it'll be 420 friendly of course the first right. one. Okay. 420 friendly places to do that and then after that you go into the club and there will be a, you know, a, a general setup then there will be rooms so there will be mm. a general place like a lot of sex clubs where you can kind of general places where you can get to the side do your things you can see a live show you can engage in different aspects then there'll be rooms for privacy and for different scenes live of show. that nature yeah like rappers rapping on stage or well I mean naked <laughs> oh yeah rappers naked yeah I'm gonna pay them a lot so, so they can feel objectified <laughs> that might have been the downside wow. everything else sounds good <laughs> 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 in there Ass niggas spitting bars. So when they, so when, you, so when you walk into the lobby, it's pretty much just like a regular club. How it looks like regular club lobby. It's like, but then behind the closed door is where it gets freaky. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So there's not like a basement area where. Oh, every, there'll be every, a basement within the really room. Where it really goes down. Yeah. It just looks like. And really, it's gonna be a sexual center because in the above rooms, I'd like to have places where I employ sex therapists so that we can work on sexual dysfunction. There'll be classes that'll be held. There'll be that range from you know the tantric sex and the you know the history of sacred sexuality all the way to how to give a better blowjob all the way to being a survivor of sex and how you can take different uh, not a survivor of sex but a survivor of child molestation rape assault and how you can then turn that into a healthy future and that's really the foundation for this I'm so sex positive because I come from a place of um, a survivor of childhood rape a survivor of childhood molestation so I've come to a place where I own my body I come to a place where I own my sexuality and orgasms and that's a place where many men and women survivors do not get to so like the point of it is to normalize sexuality but also create a 
space where we can engage in our fetishes, engage in our kinks, engage in our the things that we like without shame, right. and then get some direction and clarity and healing around it and education around it. Okay. You know, we live in a society that does. I took sex education as a child, and it's really reproductive education. No one's teaching. No one teaches you how to fuck. Wow. And then no That's one true. tells you as an adult, you need to keep going. You need to keep learning. You need to keep exploring yourself because what you liked 10 years ago may not be necessarily what turns you on, you know, 10 years later. Or you might need more. Or, you know, there's different things. So right. this yeah. is really in the vein of So like, it's not just, just freakiness. Like you pop yeah. in with a purpose. Exactly. Yeah, hashtag you pop in with a purpose. With a purpose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, rappers right there. <laughs> So what about Cafe Nuba? Yes, how, about how, that, how that got started? Yes, um, and I'm actually glad we're talking about that. So uh, this art scene owes a lot to Ashara Ekundayo and uh, Matima Hadi and Simone St. Charles. Mm -hmm. um, they were the stewards, but especially Cafe Nuba was the, uh, was the baby of um, Ashara Ekundayo. So she started that to fund the Pan-African Film Festival, which was a film festival that featured a uh, film from the um, African diaspora all over the world. So to fund that once a year thing was a once a month event where you got to see independent film from all over the world, from um, black people from all over the diaspora. It was, you got to see live art, you got to see a lot. She brought a lot of black culture and Afrocentric culture from all over the diaspora back to the five points. Right. And then I got to, you know, in my youth, I got to like ment be a, ment a mentee up under her and host that event. So I got to, that's how I got to meet Desmond Tutu. That's how I got to like do a whole bunch of things that where I got to um, sit by Amiri Baraka and do a whole bunch just Oscar Grant. Like I got to meet a lot of activists, elders in the in the movement and in the art scene that you know you know I got to benefit from. So she started a lot of this movement and a lot of what I do is to kind of follow in her footsteps. She's in Oakland now, and she does a whole lot of community-based activism in Oakland. And so kind of I walk in her footsteps to kind of bridge the cultural aspect of things and show different, you know, views and images of black people because we're not just one thing, we're everything, so. And I think as far as uh, what we see in Denver regarding just gentrification, how do you think that that has affected the, the cultural scene and just the black culture scene? We hella gentrified. We right? hella gentrified, and it gets watered down. And it's this space where I think a lot of times a lot of um, artists of color get alienated. And um, because of gentrification, there's this space of I got to include everybody, which I don't disinclude people, but also like this is my world and you going to come to fuck in it. I don't necessarily have to make my world about you. Wow. I make good things that can appeal to different people and I can make those things out of my own space, out of my own neighborhood, out of my own, you know, incarnation. So it's important right now, I think, especially that artists that are here um, to uphold our culture, to uphold who we are, especially in the face of gentrification. It's super important for me to speak her name and to speak the names of Brother Jeff and to speak the names of the mentees and to keep that oh, in our brains. Yeah, you man. know, because they are, we stand on the shoulders of a lot of people and all, and their work has transitioned and we're transitioning into the more leadership skills, but it's super important to remind people, like, this was our space, like, that that will always be black. I don't give a fuck who shows up there, That and I'm going to be there to remind them, like, this is a black neighborhood, Word. this is where we survived this was the only place back in the day where we could be and be safe and like i'm gonna hold that down my family has stake in that like other parts of my family have stake in that so it's important for us to speak on it i'm glad you said that about being there to tell them because you're like everywhere you do a lot in the community uh, you consider yourself an activist i do <clears throat> i do activist <clears throat> artivist i definitely yeah Word. you consider yourself a feminist no 
I do not consider myself a feminist. I resonate with a lot of points of feminism. I consider myself more of a womanist. Um, feminism, as in its creation, originally did not include women of color. It did not include our struggle. It did, and even in modern day fem feminism, I have a, a lot of um, trepidation and I have a lot of hesitation with it because it still doesn't include uh, the struggles of women of color. As a black woman, there's a lot of struggles that I have that are similar to white women, but uh, one thing that I don't have is labor, labor shit. Like, white women have been fighting for equality and labor. Black women came to this uh, country working and we've been working ever since. So that has to be acknowledged and it has to be uplifted and it has to be attended to. I have a lot of great friends who are feminist and I believe that there is a lot of good things in it, but I also believe that until we can all be honest in that space, right. um, I adopt the word womanism because it is about the struggle of all women. It is about, it's about explicit intersectionality. It means that I have to, as a black woman, look to my native sisters, look to my brown sisters, look to my Asian sisters and intersect our problems and our problems are already intersected so for me womanism and that term was created for right now i can't remember my my stoner brain is farting and i can't remember all the, the weed. black woman who came get you know, all the weed but it was a woman of color who came up with the term womanism and it really is encompasses about you know equality and about just making sure we are intersectional in the in the fighting for you know our rights and the things that we need why 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 that's deep because um when i ask black women about that it seems like it's always a are you a woman first or are you a black woman first yeah and so for you to answer it like that is pretty dope it's not a lot of people answer it like that thank you hell yeah let's you want to start talking about vaginas again vaginas. i mean we can get right back to it okay yeah so you do burlesque dancing yes explain that i've never seen that before i know it's like the titty tassels <laughs> titty tassels uh, i think the most easy reference for people to get is josephine baker it is the art of um, burlesque dancers. We are strippers. Uh, strippers with a story and a point. Mm. So like, <laughs> artsy strippers. It's kind of like artsy stripping. It is um, burlesque chooses. It's not about uh, nipples. We don't show nipples. We don't show vagina. Um, but we can be in our thongs and things of that nature. Um, burlesque usually has a lot more production around it. So like it's more like um, blocked. Like when I go to a song, I block it like it's a play. So I treat it more like an actress and like have a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of production to it. The costumes are a little bit more elaborate too. Yeah. And usually burlesque dancers make their own costumes. I am not a crafty Martha Stewart bitch, so <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> so I outsource that or just kind of get my little hood Negro nudity on. Negro nudity. <laughs> Create my costumes Word of the day. Negro nudity. So, um, so do but yeah, like write scripts and all that. Like so for some, some can get uh, some can get elaborate like that. So okay. it's a super dope world. Um, I do it in the vein of Josephine Baker of Lottie the Body of uh, Jane Bryant, who wasn't a burlesque dancer, but she was um, a black woman performer who pushed the boundaries. But for me, um, burlesque is another way to save my life, and it's another way of uh, declaring ownership of my body. Being a survivor of um, child rape and child molestation, I didn't live in my body, which is true of a lot of survivors, men and women. Mm. So it took a lot to like move back in. I suffered from body dysmorphic disorder, which is when you can't see yourself. 
like you look in the mirror and you cannot see what's there. Body, dis body dysmorphic disorder. disorder. And a lot of Research people that. suffer from that. Um, and it's literally, you look in the mirror and what is there you cannot see. A lot of people who are anorexic or who are deal with uh, bulimia deal with that. They think they're too fat and they see fat, mm. but like they're really just skinny. So I dealt with that a lot and it was because I wasn't seated in my body because trauma, as you survive, you kind of slip out your body. And then you learn to keep doing that for the rest of your life. Word. So for me, burlesque dancing is um, is a declaration each time that I do it that I live completely in my body full time these days. Mm -hmm. It is an ownership of the work and a, of that, and a declaration of the work that I've done from therapy to sex positive sex with really beautiful men who understood where I was coming from when we were doing our work from all kinds of like healing modalities used. So for me, I, I approach it differently than a, a few other burlesque dancers, but that's what this is, is I'm back in my body. And it's also as a black woman, I operate under this mother whore dichotomy that's put on us a lot. You know, you're either the mother or the whore and that's it. You can't mother be whore the Man, mother I, whore dichotomy. Mother whore. Learn y'all something <laughs> The mother whore. So <laughs> So something that I've noticed as far as with um, in like the burlesque culture, I noticed that it also uh, consists of it, like a little bit of drag and even yeah. kind of like the, the gay culture participates in it. Do you think that there is some sort of correlation between the gay culture and the black culture? Do you feel like it it appropriates the black culture? In a oh, sense? yeah. And this is coming from being a pansexual woman, so I identify as someone who has an alternative sexuality. And um, for the new people in the building, pansexual means I don't really give a fuck how you identify. I can be attracted to you. So I've dated trans people, straight men, straight women. And, well, yeah, actually I have dated some straight women. Some gay women. <laughs> I really don't care how you identify. I'm super attracted to people. And whatever your genitals are, we can work with that. Because fucking is infinite. She can work with whatever your genitals are. Work. I can yeah. get you off, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where to go? Where to go? Talk to him. And I'll get myself off with you, however we got it. Oh, she did a little hump. That's right. I like coming. That's it. So, <laughs> I'm about to get some water. So being a pansexual woman in the LGBTQABAWT, we got a lot of names right now, and <laughs> acronyms, um, community, there's a whole lot, especially white boy gay culture is super appropriate for black girls. Like, there's a lot of uh, gay white boys who swear they got an inner black woman. And that's the shit that I hate. Do they so suffer from, what's the word, where you can't see yourself? Uh, <laughs> yeah. They got a little Rachel Dozel, whatever okay, she yeah, got going yeah, on, yeah, going yeah. on. I always wondered that, man. Transracial? Like, trans yeah. Transracial. Yeah. I always wondered that, like, um, with gay white men specifically. Mm -hmm. Like, why do y'all have to talk like that? And that's not disrespect or anything. Like, it really seems like they be trying to talk like black women. I'm like, no, that, that's a big thing. And it's a that big thing in the, the gay community that there is a lot of appropriation of those cultures that goes down. And it comes down to a lot of people, and this is controversial within the community, but there's a lot of people who are, um, because of your alternative sexuality, you are a minority. So then if you have white privilege, that you're automatically like, well, then I'm, I'm with you. I'm, it's the same as black. It's the same as, and it's not. Like, you might be a white gay man, and you definitely go through shit because you are gay, but you are white. Right. So you have that white privilege. It's not the same. I actually go through double being a, being a you know, alternative person of color, being a, a, a pansexual woman of color. I go through double because I get fucked up because of being black. I get fucked up being a woman. I get fucked up because of my sexuality. Right. So it, we don't have the same thing, and you can't appropriate. I can't appropriate your struggle. privilege. I wish I could put on a white boy privilege. I'd have all the money, all the loans. Man, okay. I'd be getting all kinds of stuff out 
recording. <laughs> so, what do you, so do you on it? So do you feel like it's authentic, or do you feel like like I would be curious as to at what point is that behavior appropriated? Is it like as a teenager, like for gay people who have been that way all the all their lives, do they just pick that up? I think or, a lot part some of the culture it can be you can fall into very stereotypical spaces um, in trying to find yourself in the spot in the culture and trying to find your definition. Um, white privilege makes it easy for those white those gay white dudes to just throw any identity on, um, and that's the danger of whiteness though because whiteness isn't anything. It doesn't fucking exist. It doesn't have a culture. It doesn't have anything. And the date that's where white people who are married to whiteness can then start appropriating because you don't come from a base. So you don't fucking realize how fucked up it is for someone to take a base from you. Um, so that's a that's a big issue within the community. And it's you you can be if you were raised around black people, like I have those, if you were raised and that's just your shit and that's part of your culture, I can't say shit. But if you were Bradley from the suburbs And that makes <laughs> sense that you bring that up because you know, when uh, when people talk about, you know, why is there a, a white entertainment television or why is it there you know, an NAACP for white people, you know, there's essentially, that all day. there essentially isn't a white culture. It's, you know, you're either, you know, Irish or you're French or you're Italian or there's that type of culture. And when you get the study down to, and like, even then whiteness, you gotta have to give that up because like when we get back down to it, Irish people were only recently considered white in the last like 70 years. Irish people were the blacks of white people. They were absolutely fucking hated. And when you research a lot in this country, blacks and Irish were like this. That's why a lot of us have Irish names. There's a few of us walking around with red hair because in this country they were like, fuck y'all too. And we were like in New York, in these places like, well shit. Y'all rowdy Come as fuck. And Irish people are rowdy as the fuck. Yeah, they'll fight people. They'll do what the fuck ever. <laughs> They're fucking rowdy. So, but they saw that shit and was like, oh, well, y'all ain't Irish no more. You guys are white. And now, now come to the white side and hate the black people. Right here, yeah, like that's right. the danger of that's the danger of whiteness. So like Irish people got to be white, but you got to, you have to distance yourself from who you are and your culture, which is dangerous because whiteness isn't anything. Since we're like, on that, how you feel about the term African American? You know, I think it's it's a part of the art journey. I prefer to go as black because right. that identifies me. Because there's blackness in India, there are black people in China, there are black people everywhere. Yeah. So I like the term black because I identify with blackness everywhere. I feel the term African American, but and I feel why that was um, you know created. I'd rather just be American, but I but it, it just it just speaks to our we ain't real citizens yeah. yet. <laughs> I don't like it, man. I, don't, I never. It, 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 we ain't real citizens. African, yeah, you know, Hispanic yeah, American, like, but white American, white Americans ain't like I'm white American. That's what I'm like, saying. Like, you yeah. never heard like I'm Italian, Irish American. Yeah, like it's that. mostly well, so I see why, but also I I don't but, get down like that. Yeah, so all that African American history month, y'all could dead that. We're not doing that. That's stupid. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's whack. We didn't make that up. That was your boy Agent Orange. For that. Yeah, we, we're not doing that. So what, we got hella racial. So what if you go to Africa? Does black culture exist in Africa where you have that normalcy of being, you know, African? You know, it's going to be different going us going to Africa because depending on the place that you go, the level of how much of the story, some Africans know, some Africans don't realize the story of what happened between us um, and some do. So there are places where we are embraced as like family. There are places we are looked at as not. Um, I have a homeboy who actually just went to Africa, to Africa, and he's black, and he identifies as black, but he 
that he's mixed mm -hmm. and he's very light skinned. So to us, he's just a light skinned black dude. But out there, and especially where he went, he's a white man. Wow. And like it was devastating. And he didn't understand this before he went out there, which I didn't realize he didn't understand that. Like doing the, the culture around race structure, even like in South Africa, if you're mixed, you're not black. Like you're not a black dude. You're a certain, it's a certain word that you are, but you're, you're a different class. Of person, you're different. You're classified differently. Sorry, so skills. yeah, so he yeah. was super Sorry, devastated when he went the out there, and a lot of Africans were like, "Nigga, what? <laughs> you surrounded a white dude from America, and having to I having always to have come problems to that. with Africans. They don't like me. It's a it's a my life. Work. Like it's always Africans. Look like, like one of them. Repeat. I, I do kind of look like I'm Nigerian, like a motherfucker. But every time <laughs> I come across an African, like it's just instant beef, and I'm like, you know, why is that? Why y'all? There's a lot. There's a lot perpetuated <laughs> about like us against them, and even like how some white people from other countries come in with this idea we're a certain way. There's a lot of Africans who think that we all shoot each other. Like it is literally the music videos that they see, and so because I look like a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's not me, it's hip-hop. Exactly. Like, I do not like you because you look like uh, Tupac. That's racist to act. Y'all yeah. shouldn't like him with that accent. <laughs> but you're damn Tupac. You look like uh, DMX, I do not. Right. You look like Eminem. 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 You look I'm not racist. <laughs> All right, um, what shit? What else we gonna talk about, man? We talking about race. We talking about how you feel about your man in the office right now. You know what? Actually, I think that uh, this is what America called do itself. Um, it kind of um, needed this blatant ass racism in its face. This wasn't really for black people. He ain't for black people. He ain't for. <laughs> this was for other white people. This is for white people who were not on board, who were not understanding that the racism of Uncle Jack is detrimental. It wasn't, this is for white people who understand like how white supremacist patriarchy does is not about anybody except for white supremacist patriarchy. Mm. So this is, this was the conversation starter. This is what we needed to get some real conversation, you know, started and maybe some real work happening because I mean, I miss Obama and I love him, but let's be really clear, like more black people died up under his watch than have than have, had, mm. than have died in the previous presidencies. Message. Obama bombed a lot of people overseas. So it's time for us to check the system. Mm. Like he was a really cool dude in a lot of ways, but it's time for us to check the system. I appreciate him because now a lot of little black girls and little black boys can understand and put themselves in role as chief and commander and leader of things. And that was needed. And that was needed. But also he was head of a system that's been corrupt. This Word. this is this society and this government is based not on capitalism, but off of a slave um, economy. And that has to be checked. Word. Because that's how we continually treat our people. That's how we continually treat this country. And this dude is the blaring, undeniable, this is actually who we are. This is who, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is what this is what white supremacist patriarchy is. This is what we've been undercover about. This is what we've glossed over. This is who we are. So now what? So now, and I and I think it's like look at yourself. Look at yourself. <laughs> and the biggest thing I think people of color can do is back the fuck up yeah. and be like that is a problem for white folks to deal with. That white supremacist patriarchy was not something we made. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that we can do because post traumatic slavery is, is real. We been we are 150 years away from slavery. That's two 70-year-old black women that have lived. Black folks are hurt as the fuck. The big Mexican folks, they stole this land right from up under Mexico. Mm. They founded this land off of 100 million Native Americans dying. 
They put the Japanese in internment camps to build these fucking railroads. The biggest thing that we can do is turn our back to this shit and just do some healing. Right. And build our wealth. Not our problem. Not the fuck our problem. You go deal with Uncle Orange. Mm, Uncle Orange. Less than that. Talk about all that. His <laughs> I mean, old rapey ass. I mean, yeah. I thought it was kind of progressive of us electing our first special needs president. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Very progressive. Because obviously you he vote. got problems. Did you vote? I did not. I'm an anarchist. Okay. Okay. Yeah, vote I believe in bringing down the complete system. So it's vote nothing vote. is gonna work. Yeah, I didn't vote because Hillary is a she's a lying ass bitch. So I wear girls watching this who are dead married to her, but she hates <laughs> black people. Her and her husband did instituted policies that have negatively negatively affected our community for the last three years. Nice. So I am I wouldn't about her or him. Wow. The whole system is corrupt. Like, Obama was the last hurrah. Mm. Get your shit ready, people. What about Bernie? Bernie's cool. But that white dude, too, still. Like, that's just <laughs> Like, everybody was sucking his dick. But I'm like, he ain't about reparations. There's some very key issues that he we needed him to be about, too. So, and the system is corrupt. Like, you can't, I'm glad we could have had some good people. But it's a slave economy. It's a slave economy. Right. We got to. Kill that. So it's not even capitalism. It's a slave economy that's unsustainable. So what do we do? Because like me, I was like, I voted, but I only voted. I don't even know why I voted. Like I got done voting. Like that was stupid. I don't like anybody. I feel you. And we all get pressured. Like, oh, your ancestors died. Well, I mean, everybody dies from a lot of shit. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, man, now what? You know what I mean? Like, all right. There are leaders in this My hood looks the same as there it did. There are like leaders in your community else. that know what's up. Mm-hmm. It's it's about literally going through your Facebook groups, going through, paying attention to who's got solutions because they do. They just don't have support. Right. Like there are people in the hood who know and have buttons and who have been looking at the the problem for years and who understand and have been going to work. Go to work on it. Right. And it's getting back to this idea like villages, like these little groups of things can make things happen. Like that's how real revolution starts though. So Because so, okay. like, I'm that guy, like I'm completely honest, like I'll get on Facebook, I'll make a cool little post and then I'll get back to watching Martin or something. So it's like <laughs> I don't wanna be that guy that does that, but I know it's Wednesday night. I'm not about to go march. I you know what I'm saying? So like, some of the concrete things <laughs> that you can do is like check your addiction. So a lot of the things that we go to war about are the things that uh, that Americans are addicted to. What are you addicted to as far as products? Are you a name brand whore? Mm. Why you are a name brand whore? Well, like check your addictions. What Man, can you um, what can you up. distance yourself from <laughs> as far as that addiction goes? Check your addictions as far as how we treat the earth. Like getting, we're all indigenous, so getting back to having a relationship with the planet, either if it's that's gardening or connecting with nature again, or smoking weed, or smoking weed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But like developing that you know connection you know with the earth is gonna do a lot more helping. Um, figuring out what the community needs and just going to work. If it's your block, if it's just your neighborhood. It doesn't, you don't got to fix the world, but if you can identify what the kids need on your block and help the kids on your block, you fucking help the world. Like if you identify what the elders, get to know your elders. That's one thing too. Like talk to fucking old people. Mm, All the young people that are are watching this, talk to old people. Motherfuckers have lived through shit and got wisdom for a fucking reason. Like, talk to them. What the fuck did they survive? What the fuck did they go through? We get a lot of knowledge from people's grandmas. I feel like we're gonna have some messed up grandmas in the future. We just think they're senile though. We got some ratchet moms. So the hood rats that's on doing it for the gram right now. (laughs) (laughs) The world is bad. 
somebody popping into Migos right now. That's somebody's <laughs> grandma in the future. And I hate to be Sharkeisha's granddaughter or grandson. Or something like yeah, that. hopefully she learns. Word. Hey, man, this is dope. I learned a lot. I want to talk about, because um, you talked a lot about the tarot and healing and, and the magic. So what all do you do with that? You do numerology? I don't. I do tarot readings and I do energetic house cleansings and um, personal like house cleansings. I mean, you know, spirit cleansings on people's bodies okay. and a lot of spiritual counsel and a lot of spiritual guidance. What made you get into that? Because a lot of black folks you bring up like card reading and all that. They be like, I don't fuck with that voodoo. You know what? We are naturally <laughs> Devil that. Is a lie. Yeah. You know, we are naturally that. Um, I came up Jehovah Witness, and when I left um, my household, I understood that Jehovah Witnesses that wasn't very positive. But I also was seeing magical shit all my life, and like people were asking me future questions and things even when I was little so it was something that I just kind of accepted about myself and then like opened up to the creator and was like I'm here for you I believe in a god I believe that there's a bunch of other shit and I'm just open to do what I need to do with it and I feel like I got gifts so direct me and literally people started showing up in my life and different skills started coming up and then different people asked me for readings or I didn't tell anybody I was doing any of this people just naturally kind of came to me so I just Took it on. And it's crazy because I honestly believe that elitists use magic. Like they don't just use, you know, capitalism or racism or wealth. I feel like they use some sort of, you know, extraterrestrial and magical type of, you know, powers to you keep them ahead. Well, it's interesting even when you look, well, oh, yeah. there's, there's, a <laughs> thing, there's a thing called a sigil. And what a sigil is is basically a symbol that uh, was created with a certain purpose and it was imbued with a lot of belief in magic. The symbol of the star for the police is a sigil. Ooh. And when it was created, it was imbued with the with energy of hunting slaves. Mm. The police department started as a group when slavery was ending and during slavery to round up slaves. Mm -hmm. this, so all of that is true. Like the, the psychological and all of that in addition to the magic and stuff like that. Like there's, that's all, that Illuminati shit does have a, ba a, a base. Right. There's a lot of shit that's a lot of foo-foo that people yeah, are yeah, yeah. running, but that does have a base. <laughs> so when it comes to tarot reading i guess where do where do the answers come from does it come from like a spirit realm does it come from um, is it like a matter of chance that you just deal the cards out or? i'm a medium and then i use the cards for that so like i speak to the ancestors the spirit guides the 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 things that follow you around the your spiritual team and then they kind of communicate to me so then i use the use the cards to make it easier but i don't always have to use the cards like if I have one or two of these and we're open to the message or if I have a message for you, like if an ancestor shows up and it's like, tell them this, then I'll just let them know that. So, so what would be an example of something or something spiritual that follows us around? Is it our ancestors? Oh, that's ancestors. I'd be, be scared. <laughs> Tread lightly. It's just your ancestors. Energy is never, like even scientifically, energy is neither created nor destroyed. So, so oftentimes when you're praying to the creator, the creator answers your prayer, but all, all the other times it's your ancestors who are doing work on your behalf that the creator utilizes. So Don't they like transition over to the other side? They or? do, but energy is neither created nor destroyed so they can still help out. Like when you are when you are pushing towards a goal or they're always working for your highest good. Like So this is why in African religions or in some Asian religions, you go in Asian shops, they'll have an ancestor altar. It's not ancestor worship. That is to, to give thanks to the ancestors. That's to say we acknowledge that you do work for us and we acknowledge that your life was work for us. Even if you don't do work for us now your life enabled us to be here so 
we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that you breathed. We acknowledge that you were here. We acknowledge that you lived. And because you live, I live. You know, because you have life, I life. I have life. So we, you know, acknowledge that. So it's not worship, but it's just, it's a veneration. It is a, an acknowledgement of you're, you are, we are aligned, you know, and because I'm strong. In those spaces, that those religions and cultures that do that, I feel like the people are more connected. You know, because I know that my ancestors are still here in me, mm -hmm. I feel them. So when I face cops or when I face something scary, I don't, when I'm by myself, I'm not by myself. You know, and I understand I'm that the creators make me too, <laughs> but when I'm by myself, I'm not. Like, I feel my great-grandmothers. I feel their strength, their knowledge. I feel their hands on me. I feel them you know, directing and guiding me. So it gives you a little bit more of a base. Now, Christianity, it, it tends to be really big amongst the, the black culture. So what are some of the misconceptions that, you know, black people might have about magic and, you know, the things that you, you deal with? What's What are those misconceptions? Well, all of the misconceptions come from indoctrination and scariness. Um, it comes Cause, from... Because uh, real quick, I think, like, yeah. Christianity looks at all of that as being, you know, demonic and mm -hmm. satanic. Um, have you ever watched a black a black woman in white at church put her hands on somebody and pray? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And have you watched someone's life change because of that? Yeah. Same thing that happens in voodoo. Have you ever seen someone get the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Same thing that happens in Santeria. Have you ever seen a have a preacher really cure something an ailment and pray some an ailment away? Mm -hmm. Same thing that happens. We brought all this magic shit to Christianity. It was not full of song and dance and magic when we got it. It was brought to us demonically because we were literally beaten with Bibles and whips into it. We were forced to give up the names of ourselves. So something that's so holy, it's indoctrinated in us because it was given to us so brutally and demonically. And that when you have that brutality forced into you, that's the source of black people's trepidation around it because it's this inner fear that you could die if you practice it because you could die if you practice it. Why they went so hard is because especially... Haiti was liberated because the Haitian people used voodoo. It was Cecile Fateman who was a mambo. A mambo is a voodoo priestess. Mm -hmm. When Jean Baptiste went and the rest of the warriors went and asked, this is what we want to do, we want to liberate our country, direct us. Um, Cecile and the rest of the mambos did ritual. They called down the right dates. They said, this is what you have to do. They blessed everyone in the troop and gave them instructions and they were liberated. This is why African religions are feared so much, because they have power. The more you connect people, they had to, a lot of people came from Nigeria when they were stealing Africans, and Nigeria is the birthplace of Ifa, which is the birthplace of voodoo. They actually had to kill a whole lot of first round of Nigerians because they were so connected to their faith. Wow. How you colonize a people is you take their God away first. You control their sex and you control their God, then you got them. In the Eastern, you know, esoteric realm that's controlling their god is the crown chakra. Chakra controlling their sex is the root chakra. Every other chakra happens in between there. You got the top and the bottom, you got the person. Which one is your sex chakra? The root. <laughs> the root. The root. That makes sense. <laughs> so that, that trepidation comes from that. When I first started doing all this, I had a couple moments of freaking out, and I had to do prayer and ritual and had to acknowledge that this is my ancestors freaking out because we could have died. If we were caught practicing, you know, our religions, like, if we were caught, we could have died. Deep. That's crazy. 
I feel like we learned a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Y'all learned a lot, audience? There's still a lot I want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a lot, man, but we're going to save it. We're going to have you back, man. That was, that was, that was deep. Yeah, um, thank you. So I'm kind of afraid something is following me around. <laughs> it's your I'm ancestors. Get it off you. It's your I'm ancestors. Get it off you. Right, man, my ancestors are on the town. Any knowledge you want to leave the world with? Any more knowledge? You know what? My biggest thing is self-care right now. Um, self-care is an act of revolution, so I don't give a fuck who you are. Life is hard. Please attend to that. Please take care of yourself. Please uh, come up with things that you can do to, to cope with life on a regular basis. But take care of your heart. Take care of, like, your needs. If you've got mental health issues, like, be honest with it. And there's no shame in that. Get some fucking help. If you're dealing with physical shit, get some fucking help. If, like, shit is going, if what Agent Orange and all his bullshit is getting to you, like, get some fucking help. But right now it's about self-care. So please, please, please take care of yourself. Pass smoking weed and fucking, because I do that too for self-care, but, you know, go get your pussy whack, you know, get your dick sucked, go, go like, okay. clap your hands, <laughs> All right. party, you know, go suck some dick, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> go eat some pussy, <laughs> wow, I like boobies, wow. suck on boobies, suck on boobies, it's lit, it's lit, uh, we appreciate you, yeah, thank you so much, thank you, thank you for coming through, like, hey, hey, hey. like <laughs>